This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 82 of the Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss reading labels on feed and supplements. The breed of the show is the chinchilla. In critter nutrition, we address building top line. And in coffee clatch, we talk about canine cleverness. Listen in. So we're here with Glenn today. Glenn, our producer. Um, normally it's Jennifer, but... Um, it's Mr. Jennifer. To that's us. right. <laughs> I'm the other half. The other half. Who She's actually a- started with us, remember? Yes. yes. And then he us- threw us... He said, the, oh, my God, I cannot deal with them. I'm and then we got the, the, the goddess. Well, yeah, you got the smarter got half. <laughs> <laughs> I am yeah. just a horse husband after all. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Hey, can I put a quick plug in for something? Sure. Uh, we're doing a second Horse Lovers Cruise next February. We had 40 of our listeners go on the first one. Uh, So next February, we're leaving out of Tampa. We're going on Royal Caribbean again. This is the brilliance of the seas. We're doing five nights out of Tampa. And we're going to hit uh, Key West because everybody loved Key West and wanted to go back. And then we're also going to go to Cozumel, and then we also have two sea days on this cruise. And we do a oh, lot nice. of we do a lot of things. We we have a game show that we do for our group. We all eat dinner together every night. It really is. We get together several times. Uh, we have a guys' night and a ladies' night where all the horse husbands get to you know shed their wives and not talk <laughs> about horses for hours. Um, so, so, and the wives all go play horsey games and drink a lot. Um, so yeah, we, we had a blast last time we were together and we thought, well, we got to do it again. We've already sold, uh, I think she said 12 or 15 cabins and we just announced it like two weeks ago. So if you go to horseloverscruise.com, it has all the details. First time cruisers, this is... If you've been apprehensive about doing a cruise, this is the way to do it. Go with the group. It's a lot of fun. We guide you through everything. We have meetings, and we help you all along the way. So uh, we deal with MEI Travel, and uh, Michelle is our travel agent. She went along the last time, and we had fun having her along. She's going to probably go along again this time. So we're looking to, you know, have 40 to 60 people, and uh, uh, we we talk about horses, but we don't actually see any horses. And <laughs> So, Except seahorses. That's right. Except seahorses. I was going to say some horses ass, but I just wasn't going to get. You just don't know. There are apparently in Cozumel. There's a horseback ride, but when I looked at pictures of the horses, and I don't think we want to endorse that. Actually, I was going to probably. Yeah. yeah. No, we did it when we were on the last cruise, but the horses were well taken care of, and we had researched ahead of time. Um, yeah. And they they did a good job of taking care of the horses, but I can't vouch for this one. I don't know just from what I'm seeing, so we're not probably going to do that. But anyway, we, we do have a good time, and it's a lot of fun, so check it out. One of the things that we're doing different this year is everybody usually comes in a day before because you never want to arrive the morning of the cruise on an airplane because if you're late, you're, you're screwed. Um, oh, yeah. So good you point. missed the boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're, the day before, we're going to be in Tampa. We're going to – you guys will be interested in this. We're going to Big Cat Rescue uh, in the morning the day before we oh, head wow. out. Big, I don't know if you guys have been there, but Big Cat Rescue mm-hmm. is one of the largest rescue organizations organizations for cats of all kinds, and I, I don't mean your little house cats. Um, 
they have all kinds of lions and tigers. And what happens is when oh, they rescue gosh. them, they come there to live for life. They take right. care of them until they die. So um, they were going to do that. It's a fascinating place. We saw it. We got a private tour, and we did the Finding Florida episode there. And then in the afternoon, we're all going to have lunch together. And then in the afternoon, we're going to head over by bus to the Tampa Aquarium, which is right beside where the ship docks. Boards. Um, That's convenient. So we're going to do Tampa Aquarium. Then we're all going out to dinner in Tampa that night, staying overnight, and then heading out. So we're actually adding a day to it by doing all of these events the day before, uh, which should be a lot of fun for for animal lovers, right? Of all yeah. kinds. Uh, so that's uh, that's it. It's horseloverscruise.com. You get all the details, and you can write to Michelle for with any other questions. Sounds like a ton of fun. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Well, we had a ton of fun this past week. What did you do? We did. We uh, were at the Challenge of the Americas in Wellington that raises money for breast cancer research. This is a big annual event. This is sort of the dressage community's big uh, philanthropic effort as a a group. Um, I was a choreographer for one of the quadrilles. And um, I, <laughs> I, they also needed sort of um, like an exhibition act. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came up with this idea that I had done many, many years ago of putting two people in a horse costume and mm-hmm. having them demonstrate dressage movements for basically yet again doing some sort of musical freestyle or sounded classy. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, were you one of those Patty. people, Patty? <laughs> no, well, she was. She was my my co-host. So yes. oh. it was sponsored by Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Oh wow! Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got to demonstrate our dressage proficiency. <laughs> it, I have to tell you, you know, I was um, because in to, in true Tiggy form, she's always like Patty P. Just ad lib it. You're good. <laughs> and. Being the performance monkey that I will be, um, I was just like, I don't know, Tig. And I have to tell you, it was what was so fun about it was um, these, there was two kids um, from Lennon Gray's program, and they did a terrific job. I don't even know what their names were, but you know, one girl was leaning over, hanging on to the other girl, and they um, and Tigger had an opportunity to do a little practice with them, right? Yeah, tw- it, two times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I had to teach them how to do tempies. (laughs) It was, but it was just adorable. And it was, and I, um, I was, I got so much feedback because uh, a lot of people didn't know I was coming to Wellington. And then I'm standing in the middle with Tigger doing this whole thing. And what, Tigger, what is our new, what is our new name? What is it? The, Oh, we are the long, the long and, short and short of it. Of it. Because, you know, Tigger <laughs> standing next to me is like looking at, you know, a midget. Uh, well, it's like looking at a praying mantis. Yeah, you got about four hat. feet on her. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, she's tall in stature. I mean, you know, I'm just... So anyway, um, but it was just a lot of fun, and the kids did a great job, and I think that the audience really enjoyed it. And, of course, um, I didn't find out till after I walked out that it was being live-streamed, so it wasn't like it wasn't like I could like do it and then go, okay, Tigger, you talk me into something again. And then, you know, we get, no, no, no. I, I had clients in Texas going, oh, I sent it, I shared it with our whole clinic group. <laughs> um, but it, it, but the good news in that was it made them aware of the cause. And so it was, um, you know, and it looked, I think, Tigger, didn't you tell me that general admission was completely yeah, uh, sold, out? sold out for the first time ever? 
Wow. Yeah, so that was exciting, and um, um, and they want and us back, Patty. Yeah, I know, and it was exciting yeah. to do yeah. shiny moment so, again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was I think great. It's helpful for people in the audience who don't know that much about dressage to actually see the movements done by you know this funny two fu- two people in a horse. Yeah, it was, but it was but it, it it makes it really simple, you know. Yes. Yes, this is a half pass. This is a pirouette. This is a in pi- case there's pass. somebody out in the crowd that doesn't know, because that was the thing that was so cool. But the other thing that were the funny ignoring- thing was, and I had practiced this with the girls, was I, I thought for humor's sake it, they could do a pirouette, and then if I said, you know, lower your haunches, then they immediately so the girl blind immediately did. sat down, and then they pirouetted again, and you could hear the audience, especially of you know, no, you know, dressage people who know that that's important, just laughing. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, they thought that was so funny. No, it was, it was really. Um, I just will tell you, Glenn. I get many calls from Terry going, "Hey, I've got this idea." I'm mean, always pull over. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, that sounded know, like a good advertisement for the show too. Great, it was great, and we had a full page in the and the program. Yep. Um, but I, I'm going to say this: my quadrille won. Oh yay! Sure, okay, and I, the other thing that I was going to plug too, because this is the first time it happened. If correct me if I'm wrong, Tigger, is that Tigger also had a jumping quadrille. It was Ian yeah. Miller's, the oh. famous Ian Miller, who I got yeah. three seconds to talk to, and am totally a fan. Um, one of the the kindest. M- people I've ever met in the business and just told in, in what, in the 10 minutes I talked to him, he told me stories about Reiner Klemka that were, and he was amusing and wonderful. And he was so proud of his group. And, um, that was a lot of fun. And that's how the whole program started with, was with Tigger's jumping quadrille. And, um, that was a huge hit. Yeah. That was a huge hit. So she got these jumpers to go in there and they did leg yields and they extended and they jumped over jump. It was just awesome. So it was a really great evening and um, it was just, it was, it was wonderful to be a part of such a great cause and to be with the long and short of it with. (laughs) And and I have to say that um, my quadrille, which went last, Mm -hmm. um, was to Pirates of the Caribbean. And for anyone who knows this dressage writer, Jim Coford, yes, and his um, Frisian paint Dutch driving horse mare, they nailed it. Nailed it. He, he played uh, Jack Sparrow. And, you know, that's something we should put up on our page is that ending um, – the ending part of this where he comes up passaging after and then, then piaffs to right dead onto the beat of the music and, and lifts his sword. And yes, it was yes. just awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well done. Tigger. And what a great uh, group of people. Um, yeah. Obviously really practiced and just were just awesome. They were just, they were outstanding. It was, it was wonderful to be a part of it. And that, you know, I've always said we got to make horse shows more entertaining. We have to also entertain people. If we want mainstream people to come out, people who are not horse people, we've got to entertain them. Exactly. Um, Especially in Wellington, too, because it's, you know. Well, and we did the full pirate costume. I mean, (laughs) um, they were all, I won't say authentic from the, you know, 18th century, but, (laughs) you know, pretty good 
pirate costumes and we had, you know, wench costumes. And so it was, it, it was taking dressage still with a focus on the technical, but making it more fun. And please tell me it, that at the end, the ship came up out of the bottom of the sand. And- uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We pressed a button and that happened when, yeah, it was, no, it was a, that good. It was a huge hit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, no, um, even though this has nothing to do with pirates and uh, <clears throat> the quadrille and raising money for breast cancer research, um, I am going to seg into the fact that it's important to read uh, the label on feed and supplements, but not everybody does. And I some thought people marry into that. Um, so, yes, yeah, some people have people who do it for right. them. Um, but it's I a highly recommend popular. marrying a horsewife. <laughs> it's, it's the way you get to go. Then you don't have to worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just saying. It's an so, option. Um, let's move on and talk about reading labels on feed and supplements. <laughs> so at Roundtable, we are discussing, you know, are you a label reader of feed and supplements? And the reason we're asking this question is that some people are avid label readers, some people are partial label readers, and some people like Len don't read the labels at all. <laughs> he married he has people <laughs> to read the labels for him. It's Which good I to be the boss. Awesome, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know what? You may have your wife, but I have Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, Glenn, if you if you didn't have Jennifer mm-hmm. and you walked into a feed store for your horse, would you read the ingredients or would you kind of go on what the feed store tells you? I would do neither, to be honest. I would okay. have researched from someone else before I walked in the door. Because I'll tell you what, I have ah, been in many feed stores and there's a lot of bottles. Um, and they all claim to be the best thing ever. So, uh, you know, and as a horse husband, we're just not allowed to make those decisions. Uh, so I would have, I would have asked or found. Decision? What's that? Would you like to? No, in other not words, in a hundred years. Said, no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. Okay. If something ever happened to, Je- ever happened to Jennifer, I would have to get a new one. Uh, <laughs> Or you could use Tigger. I'm telling you. Let me just tell you something about Tigger. If you say, hey, Tiggs, I'm having a problem with this ingredient. Man, it's almost like her hair goes up. It's like she gets plugged into a wall. She's got to help. And, you you know, know, that is true. The listeners, too, I've heard from many who have talked to Tigger. So, yeah, let's not overlook that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, Patty, are you a label reader? Well, yes, I am a label reader. And um, I'm not going to keep you know, crooning you, but I mean, I have, I've, you know, I have always years ago, I needed to understand what was in the feed before we did complete feeds. Not that I'm going to date myself um, because I'm 27. So like say five years ago, um, I had a horse uh, years ago that I needed to actually make my own feed for. And I, I learned a lot of stuff then that I realized now was very good for the times, but uh, you know, still, um, 
there's so much more to learn. And I mean, and, and all joking aside, of course, I always try to consult you on most of what I do, um, which is hard for a lot of people um, if they're in a boarding situation, because there's a lot yeah. of things that just get, you know, you have to do this, this or this, yeah. but you still can read the labels. And that's, you know, um, always that I think that's anybody who doesn't own their own as a trainer, it's always an issue of making it easy. In fact, just today at lunch, you know, we, uh, we feed three times a day, three to four times a day. And it's just like listening to everybody go through the different things of what people are eating at lunch. And so I've always been such a whole food advocate of stuff um, because it, it makes it a little bit more simple. But the one thing that I steer away from number one thing that I steer away from with any feed is I just don't ever want to see corn in it. Um, because I've, I just, I just, I know, I know the things that it can do. So yeah, I mean, I read the labels, but you know, um, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> which is sort of a cheapest, you know, kind of cop out. Now, but, do you read labels on dog food? Do you read yes. labels on human food? I am probably, um, yes, I do all three. Um, I would say when it comes to um, human food, I tend to, I, I really, I'm far more, um, I, I, um, I'm a, it, it, I'm much more strict in many ways with human food because it's my kids and I'm looking at them and I, I really feed whole foods. I really try to feed whole foods. Um, I don't like any, I've never been, um, I was just actually visiting my daughter in Wellington and she was telling her mother-in-law, yeah, we never had, we never had sugar cereal. We never had soda. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was such a good mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> Holy crap. Um, so I've always been a big thing about that. You know, I've always steered away from sugars and, um, I like, I think any, in our family, the biggest weakness is potato chips. You know what I mean? Um, but other than that, um, as you know, Tigger Peter's a big foodie and he is yeah. always cooking things that come from the earth. So um, tons of things I can do better. And I think that's the hardest thing about reading labels is that um, I get a little overwhelmed um, because sometimes it, there's so much of a convenience factor, which you and I have talked about with the dogs. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to be able to feed a little bit more of a raw food diet. And there's definitely ways to do that, but making it convenient. And there are ways to do it. So I'm not saying that it's hard. It's just, it's harder in some ways, but it's beneficial in the long run, which yep. of course, you know that, I mean, you travel and you still do it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the interesting thing about what you said is I am absolutely rabid about reading ingredients on horse supplements, horse mm -hmm. feed, dog food, dog supplements, but and not so much on the human side. I mean, there are things that I look for, USDA certified organic. You know, I'm not expecting to read a label when I'm, you know, picking up fresh vegetables at the farm. Right. Market, you know, um, but I, I found my, find myself sometimes being lazy hmm. and going, you know, especially if I'm in Whole Foods and they have a lot of, you know, pre-made food that you can buy, mm -hmm. like like rice, for instance. Right. It's already cooked. Uh, it For me, it's like, wow, that's great. Do you think that I even stop to go, okay, is this non-GMO rice? Is this, you know, mm -hmm. where is it grown? All the things I would ask for the dog. For a horse or a dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. But, the, but, you know, but that's your, those are your children. Yeah. 
you know, so I have many, it seems because I'm more passionate about that um, and more uh, sort of on it. And then I'm a little bit lazy for myself. So um, if you're a label reader out there, let us know on healthy. Yeah, share your story. And if you're uh, if you've got somebody like Glenda's, um, let us know. Uh, there's probably a lot of you out there. And if you'd like to transition from being having a person that does all the work to wanting to learn more yourself, um, we're here to help you on Healthy Careers Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Cut. So now we're going to bring Hedwig on. Um, Hedwig, as you know, is our uh, talking Pomeranian. And my arch enemy. And yes, <laughs> Glenn's arch enemy. And Patty and person who shall not be named due to being evil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be Glenn. Yeah. You mean Glenn? Hi, Hedwig. It's so lovely Hi. to speak to you again. Yes, I look forward to our occasional chat. I, I thought of you the other day, Hedwig. I was over at Live Oak International, which is like the largest driving competition. And they had some, they had a greyhound. They had a bunch of greyhounds there. Do you know what a greyhound is, Hedwig? Yes, I do, Glenn. Uh, I am not stupid. Okay. Um, I know they run much faster than you and bark a lot less. So um, one of them there had a muzzle on. And I thought that would be perfect for you. And every Pomeranian you on the know, planet. Glenn, what? That recently I was in a room with a man who was talking a lot. And I was reminded of you. And then I saw a roll of duct tape and I thought, my goodness, if you applied the duct tape to the man who was talking, he would talk less. Oh. You know, it is lovely. We were talking to the greyhound people, and we were. One of the things that came up is almost every greyhound is quiet. They don't bark. It's the best thing. <laughs> best dog in the world is a greyhound because of that. And then we got to discussing how Pomeranians never shut up, ever. They just <laughs> bark. bark, 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 bark. so far, only you have not shut up. <laughs> we look forward to. Um, <laughs> The once or twice a year Glenn <laughs> banter, banter. <laughs> yes. Uh, next time will be the the Christmas show, right? Because <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a muzzle on you both and pull you back to your crates and your corners. <laughs> and we're gonna give you cheese, Hedwig. Um, and I like yeah. cheese too. And, yeah. Okay. Bye, Hedwig. See you at Christmas. Bye, Hedy. Bye. I just Bye, finished Hedy. my. Try I just. Not- Die or anything. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was just on Amazon and I ordered the muzzle. I am, I'm having it shipped. Okay. You know there are these special collars that deliver electric shocks whenever <laughs> I press a button. <laughs> and now it's time for the breed of the show. And we're now at Critter Corner, and. Patty is going to tell us all about chinchillas, which I have always really liked. Well, um, not to yeah. wear, but yes. um, as, as fun little pets. So um, I can't wait to find out more about them. Well, they're they're I I've 
I am not going to lie. I've often contemplated about getting one. Um, of course you have. Of course I have. Um, I but have I, I have it. Um, but it's so funny because when you start doing a little bit of research about them, like I had never really thought about, I mean, I knew they had a very dense coat. They have, just so y'all know, the densest coat of all fur mammals on land that live on land. Hmm. Pretty cool to know. Um, Don't they look they, like little bunny rabbits almost? Well, okay. So good point. They're, they actually look like large ground squirrels, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of, I was like, Oh yeah, I get that. But they, you know, they, their tail um, adds five to six inches. So they're 10 to 14 inches long. Um, but their tail adds even more than that. And there's two different varieties and I'm not even going to begin to tell you how to say them because I tried to. Um, and, but the, there's one variety that's a little bit larger, which is, I think the most common one that you'll probably see in a pet store or whatever. And then there's a smaller version. There's two species. Um, but, um, they, like I said, they're referred to as a ground squirrel, like kind of a ground squirrel. So imagine a really fat squirrel with a long tail, five to six inches, and put that in a, in a cage and put it in your house. Um, they're very active and playful. Um, they're very gentle with handling at, at a young age. And I think um, that a lot of mistakes, as always, with pet shops, <clears throat> you know, they can get them a little too young. And um, if that ends up being the case, if you end up – they you have to be just very careful like that you do with any animal. Um, the more you handle them, the tamer they become. Um, having said that, um, they are, they don't, they, they like to roam rather than be held. So they like to climb kind of all over you rather than you hold them and pet them. Right. So, so they're like, ferret like, a little bit, yeah. They don't like to be restrained. Um, and it's not that they won't be affectionate. It's just that you have to kind of build up to that, especially if you have a young one or an older one that hasn't been handled. So you have to be very careful about that. Do they bite? You know, I didn't I didn't see one thing that said they would bite. So I'm going to say, I mean, I'm sure they possibly can. Um, I, but, just, I knew somebody know, that had thumbs? them, and they, they, they were really high-strung, though. Well, okay, so that's interesting because they say they're very active and playful. Yeah, that that they're they have high and energy. And they're largely yeah. nocturnal and they're called <clears throat> I'm going to do try to do this word justice. Creepa uh, secular, which means that their activity peaks at dawn and at dusk. <laughs> <laughs> oh great. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to kind of deal with that. That's kind of a thing with that. So, um, but so because of that, as far as, you know, how you would have them in your apartment or whatever, you have to have a fairly roomy cage um, because they're very active, because they're very, they're very playful. Um, you know, you should have sort of like shelves or a ladder or something for them to climb because they like to go up and down at dawn and at dusk, which is not bad at night, but it's not going to be good if you don't get up early. <laughs> yeah. Um, so two interesting things about how to keep them. One, they, um, you know, a lot of crates, um, 
even chinchilla cages have wire floors. And they say, I, every place that I was researching about them, they said, you really need to make it a solid wood floor. Um, and it must have to do with the structure of their feet and breaking down, you know, the strength in, in their feet. Um, other sort of interesting things. So they're very active and playful, but you have to be very aware of um, the temperature because they overheat because of the density of their coat. Right. Ah. So you kind of have to be careful about that. Not so much, you know, them being too cold, but again, because their coat's pretty dense. Um, So, um, okay, so a little bit about them, and then I'm going to lead into some of the care. Um, So their lifespan, 15 to 22 years, which I was like, wow. Yeah, right? So if you get one that's young, you're looking at it quite a commitment there. So, and I think there's quite a large rescue with them, but you know, that it's quite a large commitment. Um, um, because their coats are so dense, they do something that is called a dust bath. And it's something that you buy from a chinchilla store. I'm kidding. You can go to, um, like probably PetSmart, and you don't ever want to wash them because of the density of their coat. Right, because they they won't really dry. I mean, they're really really dense. Um, and this dust bath is um, you you know just imagine a um, sort of like you know a, a a dish pan where you would wash dishes, you know, old fashioned dishes, you know, kind of thing. And you you do about two inches of this dust bath where they'll roll in it, and it gets into their coat and gets down to their skin and helps lift the oils and um, you know gets scales off, you know. With, if they're getting dry and depending on the time of year, you want to do it at the minimum, you know, two times a week. And it's something that the, the chinchilla will do on their own. It's not like you've got to get in there and roll it around like a sausage. Um, they do it on their own <laughs> and um, it just helps penetrate um, the coat in the skin. It absorbs all the oil and dirt and, you know, keeps them looking beautiful and lustrous. Um, <clears throat> um, they're, several um, different colors. I think the most common color is what they call super violet that looks sort of like that sapphire grayish color. And there's a beige and an ebony, and I think there's probably some other colors, but I think the most common one is what they call this uh, super violet. Um, so, you know, it in, in as far as them being a great apartment pet, I think they're a good apartment pet, but they, they are not for everybody. I had read over and over again, they are probably not good for young children because young children like to see something that fluffy and adorable and they want to hold it. And because chinchillas like to roam, that's not this, that's not really the smartest setup. So um, they said, you know, they're basically low maintenance, low maintenance, but because they're not for everybody, you really have to, you need to read and research about it. And they also suggest really, you know, of course, pet stores are always trying to make a profit. Um, there are certain breeders that you can, you know, obviously go to, which would probably make more sense because they're not going to take them from their mothers to young, because I guess if you take them under uh, three to, I think it's like three to five months, somewhere in that range, it's way too soon for them to leave um, their mom. So that can end up with things down the road, which again, Glenn maybe gets into them biting and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think that they're kind of like your, your basic, um, pet that you would have in your home. They have a specific diet. They have to, um, there's chinchilla food that you can get from a pet store, a lot of good, uh, roughage like grass hay and pellets that are made for them. But for the most part, they probably would make a great apartment pet, 
um, but probably not for young. So they look and they said they're just really interactive and they, and they make cute noises. And, so I don't know. Maybe reconsider. And I, I, from what I understood, too, they like friends. They're very social. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, um, which doesn't help with the, again, I don't know how to say that word that I said, crypt secular. Creep secular. Um, I'm sure a chinchilla person's going, hitting their head, going, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I apologize. But, but it was a word I had never heard of, and it wasn't a word that Tigger said, so I was feeling kind of good about myself. <laughs> but um, I would think with a friend at dawn or at dusk, that would probably make it better or worse. Yeah, just so, get some roosters and you can have the whole place upset. That's right. There you go. You can have the whole farm. <laughs> but anyway, I think they're adorable. So. I don't know, Tiggs. Maybe our next venture, huh? <laughs> so we are now at one of the highlights of our program with Critter Nutrition with Tigger. Take it away, Tiggy Bird. <laughs> Thanks. Um, today we're going to uh, direct our focus to building top line. Yay. Yeah. One of the most common issues with our horses is that of the top line. The muscles over the top of the neck, back, and hindquarters are to our eyes what reflect athleticism and a healthy appearance. One of the basic factors we cannot control is genetics. Some horses are born with strong back, neck, and hindquarter muscles, can live in a field and have a good top line, while others are can be fed pounds of feed and added supplements and still not have the top line the owner or trainer desires. The process of building muscles up also includes the process of muscle breakdown. Stand ringside at any CDI or CSIO and you will see top dressage and jumpers who don't have wow factor top lines. It can be much more challenging to add top line to a very fit horse than one that is not so fit. Top line can be developed with specific nutrition, protein providing the essential amino acids and the branch chain amino acids, antioxidants such as vitamin E, minerals such as selenium, combined with exercise including hill work and training that focuses on the correct use of back, neck, and hindquarters. Top line can also be affected by ill-fitting saddles, weight loss, poor shoeing, EPM, EPSM, PSSM, Cushing's disease, and Lyme's disease. Older horses can lose their top lines as part of the aging process. Protein is made up of chains of amino acids, which are absorbed from the small intestine. 20 different amino acids are needed for protein synthesis. However, 10 of these amino acids are known as essential amino acids because they must be supplied to the horse through the diet. These amino acids come from quality protein sources like alfalfa, whey, hemp, peas, and eggs that provide all the essential amino acids, including lysine and the branch chain. Feeds that are overprocessed can reduce the biological value of the protein and may not be well absorbed by the horse. Some feeds and supplements contain soy as a quality protein source. There are issues to be aware of when using soy as a source of protein. Soy phytogesterins can disrupt endocrine function. Almost all the soy used for horses and livestock is genetically modified to withstand being sprayed with glyphosate. According to Monsanto's own research, Roundup Ready soybeans contain 29 less 
5% less choline and 27% more of the trypsin inhibitor than conventional soybeans. Trypsin inhibitors can interfere with protein digestion. Understanding whey protein. Whey protein from cow's milk comes in various forms, isolate, concentrate, and hydrolyzed. One of the most bioavailable forms of whey protein is undenatured whey protein concentrate. This means that the whey has undergone minimal processing, as in single flash pasteurization, that does not require high heat. This method ensures that the active peptides, immunoglobins, and serum albumin are intact as they would be in raw milk. Undenatured whey protein has twice the amount of, a min- of individual branch chain amino acids as peas or highly processed whey protein. This is especially important in the case of the amino acid leucine, which plays a vital role in reducing muscle breakdown. If you are feeding your horse a supplement with whey protein, you may want to check with the company to see if the whey that they purchase from comes from cows that are grass-fed, RBGH-free, and antibiotic-free. The role of leucine. The amino acid leucine plays important roles in the synthesis of new muscle, increased muscle, and muscle breakdown. A metabolite of leucine called HMB inhibits muscle breakdown. Whey protein is one of the richest sources of this important amino acid. Hemp, egg, and pea protein. These three protein sources provide the essential amino acids, including lysine and the branch chain. Like other whole food protein sources, such as alfalfa, they also provide other nutritional components. Hemp provides edistin and albumin proteins, as well as fiber and key minerals such as zinc and magnesium. Egg protein is high in sulfur-containing amino acids, such as methionine, which plays a critical role in cell metabolism and protein synthesis. Pasteurized whole egg protein ensures that biotin will not be depleted. Pea protein is a rich source of arginine, the amino acid that stimulates nitric oxide and is the precursor of creatine to help the maintenance of ATP for more muscle power. The importance of vitamin E. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant which provides a protective benefit to muscles because it helps recovery from oxidative stress. Good sources of vitamin E include camelina oil, almonds, and sunflower seeds. The role of selenium. Selenium is important for its role in maintaining muscle health through its antioxidant activity. Selenium is a component of the enzyme glutathione peroxidase, which protects lipid membranes. On the human side, trends in bodybuilding and high-performance athletes are focused on using a variety of protein sources, including whey, eggs, peas, and hemp, because these different proteins are digested at different rates in the body. For instance, whey protein is a fast digesting protein source, while hemp and alfalfa are a slower digesting protein due to the fiber content. Taking time. Building and maintaining top line takes time. Consider using a variety of protein sources like alfalfa pellets with Biostar's Rebound or Biostar's Locomotion to provide additional protein sources for muscle building and slowing muscle breakdown. Pull blood on your horse at least once a year to check selenium and vitamin E levels. Make sure there is a variety of work in your training, cavaletti, hill work, transitions, walking on different surfaces, hard, soft, and grass, 
will help muscles as well as ligaments and tendons. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. BioStar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The BioStar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BioStarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BioStarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we've arrived at Coffee Clatch. And we're going to talk about canine cleverness, <laughs> how dogs outsmart us. And or I run bring your this life. up because, <laughs> yeah, um, my dogs seem to outsmart me on a regular basis. Yeah. They I think can... in a way that is different. I, I, and I know not all breeds are this way. But I think dogs innately, because they've survived over thousands and thousands of years with humankind, they've developed a cleverness. Some might call it sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Persuasive. (laughs) Yes. Um, They definitely can get us to do what they want us to do. Mm -hmm. But it's it's the way they work things out. So you obviously, something prompted this. So um, I have a tennis ball. I have lots of tennis balls. Um, my dogs really like to play with them and bring them back, and it's a fun game. But I was done playing. So I take the ball, and I put it on the top of a bureau. And I turn around, and not five seconds later, Wookie is standing on her hind feet, and she's tilted her head and she's trying to grab the ball. So I go, mm-hmm, okay, I'll fix this. So I move the ball back farther, turn around, start off, you know, go off to do something. And I come back and that little clever little dog was standing on her back legs and had extended a paw so far that she was pulling it, rolling it towards her mouth so that it dropped into her mouth and she got it. Willing it her way. Yes, yes. The power of the force. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Wookster, yeah. Yes. yeah. And that made me start realizing all the other clever things I mean, at the dog park, you see dogs outsmart their owners on a regular basis. <laughs> and you think, oh, that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you take a second, you go, oh, wow. <laughs> that just did happen to me. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Well, especially when you have smarter breeds, too. I think that happens a lot. No, you know what? I actually, after today at the dog park, I think some of the breeds that are lesser known for their intelligence actually might have a high degree of cleverness. 
Mm. I'm well, talking that's true. about the ones that the owner calls 50 times and they're staring off into space. <laughs> now, you know they hear well, but they're clever enough to know that the human is going to get hoarse and is going to eventually walk over and put the leash on. Right. Why should I have to move? Why should I, you know, exert that much energy? We need to stop talking about Hedwig or I'm going to get in trouble again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's just say that that dog is smart. (laughs) That dog is wicked smart. That dog is wicked smart. No, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I think the best example I can give of this is that um, I have a new Aussie puppy. He's not brand, brand new, but he's um, incredibly smart. And um, I am very big on recall um, more than anything else. Yeah. And I, when I travel, I travel back to Texas twice a month and I um, always, I have to bring my barn coat, which I try to wash the night before when I go, because I don't want to get on the plane and have people go, oh my gosh, you're wearing that and you smell. Um, (laughs) And I have to take out all these dog biscuits. Point of the story is... That there, it's like two things happen to me. So I'll be calling my dogs over and I'll put my hand in my pocket and it's for, and I don't know how they know this because they're far enough away between me having a hot dog or some sort of liver snack (laughs) versus a stupid little biscuit. And, or let's just take this one step further. Or when I really don't have a biscuit and there's just a crumb and there's something that I do in my body language that makes them go, yeah, not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm not, I am not running over, but I'll tell you what, if I put my hand and I try to like, I try to always do it like I've got a hot dog, you know, cause they're going to come running over. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. And, me, and, and that to me is scary. Because I realize that they're paying attention to, and I don't know, someone would argue, oh, it's the smell, it's the way you're going about it. I, it and you may be right, but that's scary because they're a good distance away. Um, today, just today, I um, didn't think I had um, a biscuit in my, in my right. I tend to always go to my right. And my sweet little puppy, Catch, was literally looking off into the distance like... I, I don't know. I, the chuck wagon was coming. I don't know. But I'm like, catch, catch here, catch, 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 catch. Get like going through this. And then finally, you know, I'm putting my hand in my pocket. So now I'm putting my hand in my pocket and stamping because I'm sure if I stamp, he's going to turn around and look at me. And, you know, but fortunately, one of the other dogs came and he came over and then he was like, oh, and the minute he saw my hand in the pocket, he comes a running over. Anyway, as far as them, you know, dogs being clever and, you know, what it, it it's, they operate on a whole different level, yeah. especially when you have more than one. Glenn, do you have that with your dog? You know, greyhounds are a little different. Um, so, because we've had greyhounds for so long that mm. they're just a little bit different in that they they are the most docile dogs. So, you know, they just, you know, they now she she's blind. So when she hears anything that sounds like a chip bag, because I might give her some, um, anything that sounds like that, she's right there. But otherwise, she doesn't get up. You know, she doesn't get up. If it, <laughs> she just, uh, she, you know, and she gets around pretty good around the house. But a chip bag, she will get up for. And it, but anything else, she she doesn't care. Uh, but she does like chips. 
And I do well, too. Well, I mean, I don't blame her. I love me a chip. Yeah, I saying. do too. It's just so funny. I think that we, we as human beings, we have really underestimated dogs for a millennia. Well, they prove that to us every day with yeah. all the stories we see, right? Where they save yes. the burning building and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I think in our, even when it comes to eating, you know, I I hear from owners about, you know, these really picky dogs. And I am pretty convinced, uh, while, while there are some dogs that certainly have their preferences as to what they like to eat, I think it's a control issue. <laughs> they, they go, uh-huh. Yeah, well, yesterday I got, you know, ground beef and pumpkin, and today you're giving me this kibble, and forget it. Mm-hmm. Well, horses do that too, right? You, they get the, oh, they get the alfalfa, sure. and then you try and give them coastal, and they're not interested. You're right? I mean, they're not going to eat it for two days until they figure out there's nothing else. So, yeah. Good point. Um, I'm that way, actually, too. Um, <laughs> you don't you, you I don't like coastal. Yeah, I, coastal. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> or the hamburger and pumpkin over uh, the kibble gen feature. Anything mm-hmm. over salad. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a clever canine story, um, please let us know on healthycrittersradio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.